you know, Annette, we'll be covering material you and I've covered before, but we hadn't covered it before at this very moment. That's the key. I'm Annette, and thank you for listening to my podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring back my dear friend and fellow public ed advocate, Charlie Johnson. Charlie, how are you? I'm good, Annette. It's always a delight being with you and being with a fellow trustee of Pastors for Texas Children. We so appreciate your service to our advocacy organization, my friend. Well, thank you, Charlie, and thank you for all the hard work. And we were just reminiscing about, you know, when we first met 10 years ago. Um, Charlie, we've got another special session coming. We're in Texas. The governor has called a special session as of this weekend, and it will start uh, next Monday, a week from today as we are recording this. So let's give it some context if we can. Uh, There are forces in Texas that have been trying to get a voucher program passed for well over 25 years. In fact, some people uh, sort of mark the date beyond that. Uh, But for session after session after session, the House of Representatives have blocked this idea. And for a simple reason, because though that's the house of the people, it's the people's house, and the people do not want and do not need a private school voucher plan. Now, uh, fast forward right on up to the Greg Abbott issue. Uh, he has pushed this last session and this session, regular sessions, unsuccessfully, and this regular session The voucher proposal was blocked not once, not twice, not three times, but four different times, and uh, twice in committee and twice on the floor of the House. The major opposition being the support of something called the Abel Arrero Amendment to the Budget, which prohibits any public money going to private schools, which passed uh, handily. Uh, So even after the governor's big, unprecedented public relations push for the voucher, the House still overwhelmingly repudiated the policy. So, yes. And let's talk about that push, that publicity push. I mean, oh he, was, he was here in Amarillo talking, you know, at a private Christian school about vouchers and and none of our local guys would, you know, house reps or would go up and and stand with him, uh, although that did happen across the state. Uh, but just, I mean, and, and recently the governor tweeted, you know, I can call you back session after session after session. I'm going to win on this, on the voucher focus. I mean, what kind of leadership is that? Well, it's non-existent and it's atrocious and he's petulant. And he's uh, filled with vengeance. Uh, We can only guess why. By the way, these are dedicated House members who have given him so much of his agenda since he's been in office. These are not liberal people, Annette. These are very conservative elected officials who do represent the interests of folks like uh, people in Amarillo and people in Longview and and folks in uh, San Angelo and Abilene, just to name four 
anti-voucher Republican uh, House members. Uh, and so who knows? The speculation is that he's been promised some kind of national platform or position if he will pass a voucher program in Texas, Texas being a very conservative state. But what folks in other in other localities don't realize throughout the nation don't realize about Texas is that public education is a is a conservative value in Texas. And they just don't get that. Part of that, our friend uh um uh Jennifer um uh oh Annette, you know her up in Esterline? No, not Esterline. Oh. Jennifer Esterline's a great friend. The uh advocate up in Massachusetts that has the podcast. Oh uh, um Berkshire. Jennifer Berkshire. Berkshire. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Our friend Jennifer Berkshire was the first person to give me the insight that the reason there's so much public education support in Texas could be because we don't have unions that have uh, collective bargaining power. It's against the law in Texas. We do have teacher unions. They're great organizations. We certainly support them. We love them. We're close partners with them. We're unapologetic about that. Texas State Teachers Association, Association of Texas Professional Education. Educators, Texas Classroom Teachers Association, and Texas American Federation of Teachers, as well as some others. So who knows? He he's not going to get his voucher proposal passed, and we'll talk about that more in granular detail. But he not only has not gained voucher support since the regular session ended at the end of May, he's probably lost some support for his policy because of his poor leadership. And uh, I will just say that our Republican voucher opponents in the House are very angry at the governor. He's got to know that. Uh, And it's not going to serve his political purpose well. So let's talk about what a voucher is. There might there might be some people out there listening who don't actually know. So um, I'll just go ahead and throw it out, and you correct me on anything. But it's 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 public money, taxpayer dollars, given to an individual family to use for their child's education, for for the, in in this context. And what I've heard recently, most recently, is the amount they're talking, the governor's talking, is up to like $12,000, which I is think I've heard nowhere, nowhere near what public education gets for per student. And it could go to homeschools, homeschooling uh, families. It could go to private school families who already send their kids to private school. It could just go to students who are no, not yet in private school. Uh, you know, so there's there's discussion and debate out there. But my goodness, if they open those floodgates for all those students, the cost to the state, even it's just enormous. And and yet in a session where we had. $33 billion extra dollars. Uh, we got no extra funding for public ed uh, that educates all of our students, 90-plus percent of our students across the state. So in my view, it's very petulant, as you said, very 
deliberate uh, slap at public education uh, at our K-12 system. So a voucher is not something I'm supportive of. Well, Annette, you've been in this space for a long time. You've been a, a leader in our state in supporting public education. You know we have a long way to go to uh, solve the challenges of public schools. You have been a trustee of that public trust for a long time. We appreciate your service. May your tribe increase. I think it is increasing. I do think because of your influence and my influence that people are stepping forward to say, hold on, wait a minute. Are we really going to mail the Johnson family at 3824 South Drive in Fort Worth, Texas, a $12,000 voucher? Interestingly, that raises an, a subject. Our children were educated by Texas public schools, are successful citizens, two in Texas and the third one in Kansas. And uh, and our uh, daughter-in-law is employed by public education in Kansas. So what about what about families like ours and yours? Well, Charlie, children... I, I have three three boys educated in public schools, two in Texas and one in Kansas. There you go. We, I, didn't, I, I didn't even realize we had that connection. I knew we had a lot in common, <laughs> Annette. But it does kind of raise the issue. What about your, you know, you and your husband and me and my wife? What do we get that trans that transfer of public dollars uh, to to our private uh, interests? You describe the voucher very effectively whether it's called a tuition tax credit or an education savings account, or as in Arizona and Florida and Indiana and outright and uh, a debit card, a debit card that the state mails to your home. And uh, you can go buy a big screen TV and park your kiddos in front of that. And that's education. Uh, you can go make a car payment because you're carrying them, you know, to the park on a field trip. Uh, and there's no accountability. There's no oversight. Used to be, you and I are old enough, Annette, to remember that re the Republican Party used to stand for transparency and accountability. And, and local control. Local control. Exactly. I mean, this is where the public school is so ingenious because it's local citizens that build those schools. It's local citizens that invest in those schools. And it's local citizens that elect the school board. And now we're going to take that public tax money and we're going to put it into private interests that have that do not have to answer to the people who are writing those checks. I mean, this is anathema to any conservative philosophy. And it's really the reason why the voucher plan's not going to pass at the end of the day. Uh, there are other reasons, but that's a central reason. Well, Charlie, let me play devil's advocate, although I, I find it difficult to play devil's advocate in this. But let's say, okay, my local public school is failing. They're, they're, not, they're not doing what they need to be doing. Why don't I deserve to use my taxpayer dollars and, and yours, by the way, to send my kid to a private school that I think is going to teach them better or teach them the values I believe in or, you know, kick back on that. Yeah, it's a good it's a uh, it's a good devil's advocate question. And here's the answer. 
because even a substandard performing local public school in the neighborhood, in the community, builds up the entire social fabric of that neighborhood. Now, if it's a if it's a so-called failing school, it means those children are poor. It means that they are inadequately fed, nourished. It means they have substandard housing, and it means they have health care that is not up to any modicum of standard. And it means that the kind of benefits and amenities that you and I as middle class people take for granted, those are not accorded those children. But they show up at that school. And even though they don't perform on the standardized test, by the way, that's the measure by which we call the school failed, right? Yeah, and that's and another so the, podcast. And yeah. that's a which whole I've already done some on, yeah. Kettle of fish that you have addressed uh, before, but uh, that child nevertheless is protected, is fed, is loved. The instruction of that child, while not, meeting the standards of the of the uniform test is nevertheless conveyed and uh and that child uh is receives the the benefits that the constitution protects that children to receive a general diffusion of knowledge now what the citizens of the community the folks in that neighborhood need to do is ban this what you work on this what I work on in all our various ways, they need to band together to make school the school better. They don't need to divert money away, already stretched dollars from that poor neighborhood to a private school uh, that that is going to spend that money in ways that are not accountable to the public that provided the money in the first place. And now there's one major, there's one more major beef I have with a voucher policy, and I'm a Baptist preacher, so I got to get this out. I don't want my tax dollars supporting religion I don't agree with or religion I do agree with because it's a violation of a basic human right, which is all religion is voluntary. And anytime you get a governmental entity involved in a religious school, 60% of them are religious of the private schools, are of 59% are uh, religious schools. A lot of them are Roman Catholic schools. A lot of them are Baptist schools. I don't want my tax dollars supporting teaching that I don't agree with. I want my kids in that public school that has a diverse constituency where my children learn how to be Americans. They, My children are white. They learn how to love black kids. They learn how to love brown kids. They learn how to love gay kids. They learn, you know, the complexity of existence. And that's what I want my tax dollars supporting. Thank you for that, Charlie. I do want to go back to a point you uh, you didn't make, but I want to make sure the the listeners know that just because the students at a school are poor doesn't mean it's going to be a failing school. So let's clear that up. We have wonderful schools educating all of our students. And I would argue that we really don't have failing schools anywhere, but at least they have some level of accountability to their local constituents, their local voters, and their local taxpayers to, to be held accountable. And if you have challenges... 
do what I did 25 years ago, or no, gosh, 28 years, 29 years ago, and go run for public office at your local school and see see how you can you know work to improve it. I didn't run because I thought our schools were failing. I, I ran because I thought they were doing a good job and I wanted to help them do better. That's exactly right, and I appreciate the correction and the clarification. Hey, poor children learn fabulously in public schools in Texas all day, every day. And uh, and, and by ch- golly, we need them to. We need them to. You bet we do. And there's one issue we hadn't touched on. Let's get this out on the table for our listeners. Those students with special needs and particularly disabilities, they don't receive the federal protections in the private school. A a short and simple way to put it, kids are going to be better protected and better cared for in a public school with all the protocols that are very carefully written and very scrupulously implemented because of the system of accountability than they are in the private school where there's no accountability. So I don't know why our friends on the other side of this voucher debate think there's not going to be any child abuse in the private school. Of course there is. Matter of fact, I would argue there's more. Uh, It's the public school that that reports that abuse, gets that child in a protective system and uh, where the child can receive the intervention and uh, care that she needs. So, uh, uh, you know, we've got a whole host of reasons now why a voucher policy is bad for Texas kids. And, and it begs the question, why is Greg Abbott pushing this? Did he go to the, pri- did he go to the public school community to promote his voucher plan in Amarillo? No, he went to some private school. Well, let's talk about that just a little. The voucher push and and the and the private school push really began back during during desegregation. 1954, Brown versus Board of Education. So folks were, some folks didn't want our didn't want my kids going to school with those kids, to boil it down, and so there was a big push, and there's been a big push since, and it's gotten. I mean, you mentioned other states that are doing this, and um, you can follow the, you know, politics of those states and not be too surprised which states are doing it and which states aren't, but the big push for vouchers has come from the 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 both libertarian and uh, far-right uh, constituencies of, of our nation. And so it's not just a Texas push, but my goodness, right now, that's what we're facing, uh, starting next week in, in Texas. So, we're, so let's talk about vouchers, where they really have existed for a while. Uh, do they work? Do they help students succeed? No. They don't work, and we're 30 years into this in Indiana and places like Indiana and Arizona. Florida's is a little more, is a little newer. It's rife with corruption, the kind of excess and waste and corruption that I just uh, identified a little earlier with people, you know, making their car payments and buying their big screen TVs and taking vacations on the state. Uh, uh, at the state's expense, um, 
what happens is that kid takes a voucher, some little mom and pop voucher. There are two scenarios in that, and I'm going to boil it down. Scenario number one is some kind of mom and pop voucher school, some kind of little voucher pod, somebody, some vendor somewhere, uh, grifter sets up a sets up an entity, takes a half a dozen kids at $12,000 a kid. I don't know what that is. I'm not much of a mathematician, <laughs> but takes that, you know, what is that? $72,000 and, uh, and pockets the money and parks the kid in front of a virtual instruction program. Okay. That it's downloaded off of Google or something. Uh, and, and that, so the kid of course is the parents who are choosing a good education for their children who are hoodwinked by the voucher people in the first place. So they pull their kid out of the private public school. They put that kid in this really substandard private school. The kid falls behind he gets, he ends up back in the neighborhood public school. But now that child is a grade level or two grade levels behind. And now the public school from which the money came for the private school, failed education in the first place, has to bring the child up to grade level with a dramatically reduced budget. That's scenario number one. Scenario number two is the $12,000 out of your pocket and mine going to subsidize the $30,000 education of a private school student. What? I mean, this is nuts. And when you ask the uh, normal Texan how much they're paying in their property taxes, well, it's nowhere near $12,000. For They're most pay, of them, yeah, yeah. Uh, most people are paying one thousand or fifteen hundred or whatever it is. I tell people if you're paying more in property taxes, be grateful. The value of your home's going up, and be, you got a neighborhood that's a desirable neighborhood. Uh, yeah, I mean the old standard uh, fr uh, saying you've heard it that if you think education's expensive, consider the alternative. Uh, you know, education provides our society all kinds of benefits. It's the employment center in rural communities. It maintains the peace and stability of the neighborhood. It gives a meaningful, purposeful uh, place safe for our children throughout the day. They're not roaming the streets. They're not getting into trouble. And not only the you know, it provides the principles of American citizenship. We make citizens in our public schools. It, that's why it has it is a constitutionally protected provision in most states and why the governor is so unwise to push this. Uh, he's going to lose this. You've noted that he added border security to his call so that he can get some kind of win because he knows he doesn't have the votes to pass his voucher plan. He probably has about 30 opponents on the Republican side in the House and at least 60 on the Democratic side. So that's 90 votes right there. And it may be more than that. It may be more. And, you know, we were talking earlier 
we're interested at Pastors for Texas Children about a bipartisan pro-public education caucus in the House where those 30 or 40 Republicans get with 50 or 60 Democrats, take this government back over. Take it back over, at least on public education policy, and start telling the commissioner how we're going to do things, not the other way around. Start telling the governor, here's how we're going to do it, not the other way around, because we represent the 5.5 million school children of Texas and their parents and their parents choose the public school. So I hope that that will materialize. And as I said to you, I'm going to be in Austin this week proposing that in some conversations with some of our friends. Well, good luck to you, Charlie. So for our listeners, um, a call to action as this session uh, goes forward. Besides educating yourself about the issue or issues, and I just got back from El Paso uh, with a Leadership Texas session where we uh, we had a session on uh, immigration, and it was really eye-opening right there at the border to hear, you know, the boots-on-the-ground people who deal with it, to watch the overflow of the immigration right now uh, into the streets. There's just, there's not enough shelter space, and those people are doing what they need to feel they need to do for their families to to provide a better life but it's 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 it is a challenge i don't know how you know i'm not proposing how we fix that right now uh but i am proposing that folks learn about it learn about the issue of vouchers and public ed and taking money from public schools to to fund uh you know mostly affluent families sending their kids to private schools. Well, thanks for the question. I love your practicality. You talk about policy and then you give us an assignment. I love that. And there are four or five things that come to my mind in no particular order. They're all important. Uh, The first thing is call your house member and you're going to have a good hearing you can find that uh, number easily. Just Google Google your house. Just House of Representatives in Amarillo, Texas. Their names will come up. To put your town in there and just say, who is my house member? And call the local office. That's better than calling the Austin office. And then go get your neighbors to do the same. So that's thing number one. Thing number two Go get with some moms and dads in your neighborhood and make your state representative meet with you. Now, she's busy, and it she may not be able to take that meeting one-on-one, but if you had one on a dozen, if he's worth his salt, he'll take that meeting. And you, may, and you make sure that he gives you 15 or 20 minutes, and you tell him you do not want your tax dollars being diverted to private schools to vote against Greg Abbott's voucher plan. These are Greg Abbott vouchers. And we've started calling this his sore loser session. It's not a special session. It's his sore loser session. And so he's wasting millions of taxpayer dollars. Somebody quoted me the other day that something like a 30-day session 
and all, and it doesn't even get to security guards and secretaries and staff, but just the just the members alone is something like two million dollars that they have to pay in the per diem to the to the members. I bet somebody needs to add up that figure, some economist somewhere, how much of our Texas tax dollars he's wasting, the governor's wasting on this session. Third thing, and you know I'm going to say this, Annette, go find a pastor, a priest, a rabbi, an imam, a deacon, an elder, because congregations have power. Now, you got to be persistent about that because it's it's counterintuitive and no pastor including me wants to get up in the pulpit and talk about public education policy but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday that pastor has influence in the community a lot of our a lot of our faith leaders now are moms they're women these powerful women who are leading our congregations well news flash those women have a disproportionate investment in the education of their children. And they know the kinds of issues we're talking about now, like the back. I don't mean to be gender, too gender specific about that, but that's a great, great advantage. Four, write a letter to the editor. Write a letter to the newspaper. People read those things and and, and make your voice known. Then the fifth thing I'd say, and you know the power of this because you've been so generous to do it so often. Come to Austin. Plan to come to Austin. When you drive, when you take two days of your life and a lot of expense and you fly or drive to Austin and you let us line up an appointment for you with your state representative, that makes a huge impact on that on that individual because you've given uh, taken a lot of time and a lot of expense to come voice your views. Well, I've always thought we should just be banging down the doors of the Capitol around public ed, and I know there's a rally coming up. Um, yeah, before a the noon session. rally this Saturday, a yeah. noon rally. Our president, Pastors for Texas Children, President Reverend John Ogletree will be a speaker and. Reverend Natalie Webb is going to deliver the invocation. So this is a good thing. And I think there, I think we'll have a crowd, Annette. I really do. I think the word is out. I think people are upset about this. I've just told you I've done the West Texas tour. Uh, West Texans aren't, they aren't beating down the governor's door for a voucher plan. You go talk to county judges and mayors, superintendents of schools, city council people. They don't want this. They don't want this. The, the governor knows that he has handled this in a ham-handed way. And, and I mean, why is it now the, uh, the billionaires out of uh, Midland, Midland, is it Tim Dunn? Cisco and, and yeah. Cisco with Dan and Ferris Wilkes. They are advancing a far fringe, shrill, loud uh, Christian nationalist right-wing agenda. And they got a lot of money. Uh, Chris Tackett. Is cover is following those those uh, investments of funds and goodness, I think it's upward toward a hundred million dollars. And they're not the only ones. There are other billionaires in the big cities doing it too. Yeah, and we need campaign finance reform, but badly, badly. 
Badly. That's another conversation for another time. I bet Kel Seliger could have that conversation with you and Ed. He's hey, Kel knows a lot about that issue. Yeah, for sure. Well, and Kel stood up to the governor and sadly chose not to run again. And so, but, um, well, Charlie, what else? Have we covered everything we need to cover about vouchers other than? Yeah, the studies, there are a couple, I might mention a couple of other things. There are two scholars, one in Wisconsin, one in, uh, or uh, Michigan, excuse me, University of Michigan State University, Josh Cowan, Michigan State University, Professor Josh Cowan, and University of Texas, Professor uh, David DeMatthews are both national experts on the failure of vouchers in every state where they've been implemented. Also, follow Diane Ravitch's blog, Diane, Dr. Diane Ravitch, former Undersecretary of Education under Elder President Bush, and her blog is superb. And that is R-A-V-I-T-C-H. So those are three resources. Uh, all three of those scholars have written extensively on this issue. And uh, a little bit of time, 15 minutes, can orient you and educate you on the threat. And I will find links to those and put them in my uh, show notes for this. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Charlie, thank you so much. Safe travels across the state, friend. And I keep want up. you to have a, I hope you have a fabulous time on this cruise. <laughs> yeah, my husband and I are going on a cruise now that we did get our passports <laughs> renewed in time. So, little drama in the Carlisle household there. So. Annette, thanks for having me. Thank you for your trusteeship at Pastors for Texas Children and all your support for public education advocacy across the board. And we're going to win this. We're going to win it. Thank you, Charlie, and thank you for listening to my podcast.